to Virtual Sheet Music. Uh, my name is Joseph Mendoz, and I am a cello teacher in the Los Angeles area and a faculty member of the Colburn School of Performing Arts in downtown Los Angeles. Um, today I'm going to be presenting to you a video on some of the technical and musical issues uh, related to playing Bach. Uh, I know um, many of you have a lot of questions regarding this especially um, the first suite, uh, the prelude being so popular and of course uh, uh, you know we hear it in so many car commercials and, and, and things like that. Uh, so this is something that uh, um, of course everyone wants to play and understandably it's a great great piece of music. But there are some very specific technical problems we first have to deal with uh, in order to really approach Bach and to be able to play Bach as freely and as musically as we would want to. So the first thing I'd like to discuss is actually uh, string crossings. Now, string crossings are always an issue, whether we're playing Bach or whether we're playing a Dotsauer etude or a Popper etude or something like that. We always have to deal with string crossings and, and multiple string crossings uh, over and over and over again. And negotiating those can be challenging. Um, but the first suite actually presents uh, difficulties with string crossings right in the very first three notes. Um, now these three notes also are the same three notes in the beginning of the minuet of the first suite. Now I recommend that before you study the prelude of the first suite, you should study the minuet actually of that same suite. Uh, it gives you a little bit of a better primer in the kinds of techniques that you're going to need in order to perform the, the first prelude successfully. So let's start with uh, this idea of string crossings. Now, um, the, the primary issue is, is how to do these smoothly. Now, most people, when they first approach these, they think of the, the, the three strings, or the four strings for that matter, uh, but in this case, the three, the G string, the D string, and the A string, as having three separate levels that we have to hit. Um, now, this can cause this kind of sound, where we have three distinct levels and then kind of a, a slap uh, when, when we do the string crossing. Um, now musically this is not desirable. So we have to envision something else in order to do these string crossings uh, uh, more efficiently um, and more musically. The thing we have to envision is a constant curve. Now uh, one of my teachers, Dr. Richard Nail, gave me this very, very uh, interesting idea in order to achieve this. Um, he actually, in, in his teaching studio, he has a hula hoop. And he has you take your hand at the bottom of the hula hoop, he holds it up like this. And unfortunately, I don't have one in my studio. Um, but, and, and he has you draw your hand back and forth like this on the bottom part of the hula hoop. And if you could kind of mimic this motion. Now this is a, a, an extreme exaggeration of what we're going to be doing in a minute, but it's still a good motion to try to mimic in order to try to understand what this really entails here in order to do these string crossings well. Now to do the string crossings well, you see you have to really feel the entire curve this way, all the way to the A string and you can see my hand doing that. And this is a constant issue especially in the prelude, of course, you know, the... In order to do all those string crossings, 
very, very smoothly, we have to really be exploring all of the distance between the strings and to try to do it as smoothly as possible and never thinking of individual levels, but all the levels in between the strings. So this problem of string crossing it happens, of course, all throughout the first prelude. This is why I, I really recommend that you start off with the minuet um, to really handle these string crossings much better. I think this is a, a much better plan. Then when you go to the prelude, uh, you'll find that there are certain things that you don't have to work on too hard if you really are feeling the, this curve with the string crossings. Um, so the next thing that's a very common problem in all of Bach, but especially in this first suite, has to do with intonation. And um, there are many ways, of course, to practice intonation, your scales and your um, uh, uh, practicing thirds and sixths and octaves and these kinds of things are very helpful. Um, however, something that, that you can do that can directly address a problem, uh, for example, in the, in the first suite of Bach and in all the suites of Bach, um, is to get used to playing with a drone now, by a drone, I mean a, a, a constant pitch of some sort. Now, there are various gadgets that can uh, give you this uh, drone. For example, um, I have one of these Boss uh, Dr. Beat metronomes here on the ground right next to me. It, uh, um, it can you know, play any pitch and hold that pitch. Um, uh, however, with Bach, you don't necessarily always need that. Um, you, you have a drone uh, in an open string especially in the, in the, G, in, in the G major, uh, the first suite. So for example, in the first three notes again, you can check your B and really get it in tune so that I'm still adjusting mine here. And you can do this um, on you know, on many notes. For example, whenever you have an F sharp on the D string, you can test it against your A. Um, uh, whenever you have an E on the D string, you can test it against your G. And there's there's many cases in the first suite uh, that where you can do this. Or you can you know set your metronome to a G um, uh, and have it play that G for you, and then play the whole the whole opening against that G to make sure that it's all really in tune and. Once you've done this, then it's critical that the next step is that you turn off the drone um, and that you really get used to hearing uh, the, the purity of the ring. There should be a nice, wonderful ring on every single note that you play. If you achieve this, that means you're really getting um, uh, uh, really, really fine intonation. Uh, if, it, if there's a dullness or a lack of resonance, sometimes this is due to the note not being completely and totally centered on the pitch. Uh, so this is, this is important to do when you're practicing, which of course takes tremendous amounts of concentration and listening. Um, the next thing is, uh, oh sorry, one more thing in regards to intonation. Um, there's uh, much discussion about uh, expressive intonation. I don't know how many of you have heard of this idea, uh, but there's much discussion of expressive intonation versus um, uh, what's the word? Uh, just or, or, or tempered, not just, but tempered intonation. Um, uh, th this is a difficult question um, because this really depends upon how you hear things. For example, if you learned piano before you learned cello, 
um, uh, you can get used to tempered intonation because, of course, the piano is tuned, you know, uh, with even half steps. Um, and this is a little bit of a different intonation than the intonation that we can use, uh, that also singers can use, where uh, we can slightly adjust things. For example, we can make the seventh degree of a scale a little higher to kind of heighten the tension going toward, uh, back towards uh, the, uh, the tonic. Um, there's various things like this that, that, that we can do. I think in, in this case you have to follow your own ear and you have to say, okay, well, um, uh, when I'm playing Bach it has to be in tune. Now what does in tune mean? Well, that's, you're going to have to listen for that, that pure ring again and, and, and see what that tells you about how to play in tune. Um, this, this discussion can, can get us into trouble because if we start focusing too much on playing expressive intonation, we can actually start playing out of tune, too much out of tune. However, if we focus too much on playing uh, tempered intonation, um, things can sound a bit dull. We can lose that ring, that special... Um, ring that occurs when we play really well in tune. So as far as that goes, don't worry about it too much. Just try to use your ear as best you can. And when it sounds really in tune, uh, that means it's in tune. And you can trust that. Uh, and sometimes that may mean that you're using a little bit of expressive intonation. Sometimes that may mean you're using a little bit of uh, tempered intonation. Um, but you have to just trust your ear. Um, and of course, if you have a teacher, trust your teacher's advice as well. Uh, the last thing I want to discuss is style concerns. Um, uh, you can go on YouTube and you can find uh, a ton of videos of different cellists playing Bach from Casals. Um, uh, there's actually a video of this, I believe it's the first suite, um, of him playing it when he's a little bit more of, a, of an advanced age. Um, there's a video of Rostropovich. Uh, there's, of course, recordings of, of, of the great French cellists Fournier and Gendron and, and and Paul Tortoyer and, and all the wonderful traditions of, of the French tradition of cello playing. Um, and you have many, many different approaches. And of course, then you have the historical approach, which uses you know, uncovered gut strings and, and, uh, um, and a bow that, that uh, you know, of course, bends outwards this way instead of inwards like the, the modern bow. And players that play with no vibrato and players that play with a lot of vibrato. And, and this is what I would recommend. It really depends on what level you're at. If you're at a fairly high level, uh, then thinking about a historical approach um, can be good. Um, it, it can be something that can help your view of Bach and help you play Bach more from the heart and, and in a more direct manner. Um, however, if you're of a more intermediate level, I recommend that you play Bach with a full tone and uh, with vibrato and um, not worrying so much about uh, playing with ornamentation or anything like that um, but to really have you know play box so that it helps your technique um, and then you can worry more later about how you're going to play it musically so so focus a lot on developing a very very full sound and absolutely flawless centered intonation and all those things first before you really start to worry too much about style. Um, and that should help to clarify that. Um, recordings that I love of uh, myself, um, Pierre Fournier is, 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 was an extraordinary artist. Um, uh, his, his Bach playing is terrific. Um, uh, I really, Yo-Yo uh, um, Ma's first recording, uh, the one from the, the 1980s, um, is sensational, I think. 
um, uh, Rostropovich's uh, recordings from, from the 90s um, are quite good. Uh, there's some things that are a little bit um, eccentric about them, uh, but the cello playing itself is very fabulous. Um, and for some really interesting Bach, um, you can try listening to uh, the great Hungarian, modern Hungarian cellist uh, Miklos Perenyi. Um, his entire Bach suite is actually someone recently uploaded on YouTube, so you can enjoy that as well. Uh, I hope this video has been helpful for you uh, so that you can start to approach Bach with uh, um, fearlessness. Uh, and um, so, yes, I, I, hope, <laughs> I hope you, en you enjoy Bach in the future. Um, and if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to leave them in the, in the comment section um, uh, on the, on the webpage, and I'll be happy to answer any of your questions that you may have. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.